COVID takes a deadly toll. Sadly, in the last day, we have an additional 13 people who have died. And how a technical error led to an inaccurate COVID count. Enforcing the new mask order. The size of the fine won't make any difference to the people who don't want to wear them. Who's making sure the new mandate is being followed? We need to get everybody doing the right thing. And a shocking school assignment. This is the homework that my daughter was sent home with in grade six. Why this mom is so furious, she shared it on TikTok. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC has set a new deadly COVID-19 record today. That comes as health officials acknowledge a mistake in yesterday's inflated case numbers. And we get an update on today's totals. We have 738 new cases, bringing our total to 29,086. Sadly, we've had 13 more deaths. That means 371 people have now died from the virus. 294 people are in hospital, 61 of those patients in the ICU. 19,814 people are considered recovered, and that leaves us with 7,816 active cases and 10,270 in isolation. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, first, yesterday's total of 941 appeared mm-hmm. to be a record, but we now know that that was incorrect. How did the province explain yeah. the mistake? Yeah, it's all to do with Fraser Health uh, Region, the health authority there. They were entering the wrong numbers for more than a week. So the number of cases that were wrong were hundreds of, of numbers, hundreds, hundreds of cases. So yesterday's number never happened, 941. We never got uh, there. It was actually a little less than 700 yesterday. But all the other numbers for previous days had to be readjusted, which means we actually hit our highest mark on Saturday of 835 cases. So we're just finding that out now. But the important numbers uh, haven't changed. Those number of people in hospital and the number of people who have died and are in ICU. A lot of people are concerned about super spreader events or community Mm -hmm. transmission at different events. We've got the holidays coming up. We just passed Diwali. How concerned is Dr. Henry about holiday events spreading the virus? Well, right now, evidently, according to her, for the first time today, she says there's been a marked shift in where the virus is coming from. There had been focused on celebrations, on gatherings in family homes. The data recently shows that the, trans- the virus is being transmitted in other ways. Here's Dr. Henry. We've seen a decrease in cases related to uh, and outbreaks related to uh, parties and weddings and and Diwali. We've not seen a surge in people uh, at those types of celebrations, so that is a positive thing. What we are seeing is that surges and we're picking up and detecting clusters in outbreaks in other settings now. So again, the numbers are very high, but it tells you where we're at, Chris, when we look at a 700 number and think, oh, that's great because it's not 900. Hopefully we don't hit 900, but we're still very much in the edge right now in terms of escalating case numbers. Again, another briefing from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix on Friday. Very unusual, but while we have this public health order in place, I think they want to be out in public as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And the town hall coming up tonight, too. Okay, Keith, thank you. Well, we now know just how much not wearing a mask in B.C. could cost, depending on the attitude of the anti-masker in question. As Richard Zussman reports, B.C.'s Solicitor General says people who defy the mask order can face multiple fines, and then some. The law is simple. You go into an indoor public space in B.C., you wear a mask. We need to get everybody doing the right thing. The big question is how is this going to be enforced? Not wearing a mask? 
$230 fine, refusing to comply with an enforcement officer, another $230, engaging in belligerent behavior, $230 fine. And yes, one person can get all three fines for a grand total of nearly $700. And the police have the ability uh, to give uh, additional tickets e or, or charges even. Most stores are reporting a high rate of compliance for those wearing masks. But in terms of whether the fines should be higher, there's no consensus. The size of the fine won't make any difference to the people who don't want to wear them. They'll, they'll just be stubborn. Enforcement won't say whether they will use secret shoppers to crack down on non-mask wearers. The police will be on the, uh, on the lookout. Uh, and so uh, people need to understand uh, that COVID is not a joke. There are some mask-wearing exemptions, including anyone younger than 12 years old, someone unable to wear a mask, someone consuming food or playing sports. People who are unable to wear masks must be accommodated. That means we cannot deny them services. But those refusing to wear a mask won't be tolerated, especially after a woman in Nelson was spit at by a man refusing to put on his mask. I have no time for people who believe that wearing a mask somehow makes them ill or is a sign of lack of freedom. And if someone is especially violent and abusive after being told to put the mask on, they will lose some freedom by being put behind bars. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Burnaby Hospital continues its struggle with its COVID-19 outbreak tonight, but says it is slowly getting back to business. Grace Key has the latest on the battle against the first major hospital outbreak of the pandemic. Restoration is underway at Burnaby Hospital, and as a precaution, no new admissions at the hospital, with the exception of palliative, maternity, and ICU. A COVID outbreak was declared at Burnaby Hospital on November 9th. Precautions were taken, but the situation was made worse when a fire broke out in the basement in one of the buildings. 55 patients have now tested positive for COVID-19. There have been five deaths, and 40 staff cases are under investigation to see if they are connected to the outbreak. Fraser Health saying the safety of patients was a priority and that meant patients were moved to areas of the hospital they normally would not have been placed in for a short period of time. Where the strain really is, is on healthcare workers. I mean, if you can imagine um, working in that hospital, dealing with the, the outbreak that was going on, dealing with the influx of patients that we're seeing in the emergency department with respiratory illness, and then having that fire on top of that, it, it has been very stressful. Enhanced safety measures are now in place and some of the areas in the hospital that were closed because of the fire are back open. The fire broke out in an area that delivers services for mental health patients. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. In Burnaby, Grace Key, Global News. Well, if you wonder if you've ever actually had COVID-19 without getting a test for it, you can find out, but it will cost you. Life Labs is launching a COVID-19 antibody or serology test to help determine if someone's had a prior infection. While antibodies can be detected for a number of months post-exposure, for most accurate results, Life Labs recommends the test is ordered three to four weeks after the onset of symptoms. It's hoped the tests might provide answers to people who are suffering long-term side effects but were never officially diagnosed. But a reminder, a positive result does not guarantee immunity from the virus. If somebody had uh, just, a, you know, they've been asymptomatic or they had minor symptoms, then 
They may well develop antibodies, um, but they won't probably have such a prolonged immunity. Now, this test is, is not, it doesn't tell you what your levels of antibody are, it tells you that you have antibodies. So it just gives you an indication that you've had it previously, um, but not, you know, how long is that immunity going to last? Test approved by Health Canada is available at select BC Life Lab locations, and it'll cost you $75. 6.30 tonight, we'll be kicking off our hour-long town hall with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix. This is a live shot of the Legislature Library in Victoria, where they will be taking our COVID-19 questions. So be sure to stay with us for that. That's at 6.30. And across Canada, the COVID situation looks a lot like what we're seeing here in B.C. New restrictions are being imposed on businesses, social gatherings and travel as governments scramble to control the skyrocketing case numbers. Aaron MacArthur has the latest. Open for business. An Etobicoke barbecue joint flouting the lockdown. The owner facing fines with plans to reopen again Thursday. Plenty of people in support. The situation in the greater Toronto area tense as people accuse the Ford government of putting politics ahead of public health. Wednesday, a scathing report from the Auditor General echoing those concerns. Is in a time of crisis, the systems that people needed weren't in place. Cases in Ontario continue to hover above 1,300. 1,100 in Quebec. The split Atlantic bubble sees few cases, but Nova Scotia has 16 new infections, which have resulted in drastic measures, including closing libraries, museums and restaurants, for at least three weeks. Um, the fact that they are seemingly overreacting to what, to what some people would perceive as a small number of cases, I think is a good sign. The West continues to see some of the most alarming case trajectories. 349 in Manitoba, 164 in Saskatchewan, which announced new restrictions Wednesday. Alberta saw 1,265 new cases. Calgary now under a citywide state of emergency. Our hospitals are quickly reaching capacity and the risk to our families, our friends, our neighbours, ourselves has never been higher than it is at this point. With restrictions mounting along with the cases... Still no word from the federal government about rollout plans for vaccines. The First Minister's meeting scheduled Thursday to discuss what might happen once vaccines are approved and available in Canada. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. An Abbotsford mother incensed by an insensitive, if not outright racist, class assignment her daughter brought home from school. It asked for five positive things about residential schools, a devastating and shameful part of Canada's history. Her reaction and how the school responded next on the News Hour. He was a magician on the soccer pitch and a bit of a disaster off of it. The complicated life of soccer legend Diego Maradona later in sports. Right now, though, parents are expressing outrage tonight at a controversial class assignment, and a school board investigation has even been launched. It comes after students in a grade 6 class at Abbotsford's, Abbotsford's W.A. Fraser Middle School were asked to write about the positive impacts of residential schools. John Hua reports. Write at least five positive stories or facts about the residential schools it's a sixth grade history lesson Krista McKinnis says has no place in present day schools. 
I was disgusted, and then I was outraged, and then honestly, I was broken for my people. The Abbotsford mother posting her outrage on social media. They're whitewashing the rape of our culture? After seeing the take-home assignment that was handed out by a teacher at William A. Fraser Middle School. It's something that you hear about happening. I never thought it was going to walk through my front door. Um, in the hands of my 11-year-old child. The Abbotsford School District has launched an investigation, calling the incident a disservice to its commitment towards truth and reconciliation. We apologize unreservedly. It, it, it was a, a very inappropriate, unfortunate thing uh, to transpire, and it flies in the face of everything that this school district stands for. But First Nations leaders say this outdated view of residential schools proves there's still a bias in the system that ultimately perpetuates racism. If you've ever heard from someone who's attended residential school, you would not be assigning this to your students. Someone who knows those stories all too well sadly is not surprised. The lessening of cultural genocide continues to find its way into the curriculum. These schools were not built for an education. These schools were built to eradicate and, and kill the Indian and the child. Can you name five positive things about Nazis in the concentration camps? McKinnis says she accepts the school district's apology but wants to see true action. We see it for the horrific acts that it was. We teach our children about it so that we can begin healing. Instead of just repeating history by ignoring heartbreak, still felt today. This is what they're teaching your kids in school. John Hua, Global News. Well, it was Crown's turn to present closing arguments in the appeal of Philip Talio's 1983 second-degree murder conviction. Talio spent 37 years in prison for the killing of his 22-month-old cousin. And Crown counsel maintains Talio's guilty plea is as valid today as it was then. And there was no miscarriage of justice. Romina Dea has the details. Crown blunt and to the point, telling the court Talio is guilty. Janet Dickey says there are multiple inconsistencies in Talio's evidence and his credibility is front and center in this appeal. We say nothing, he says, including his protestation of innocence, can be believed, says Crown. Crown argues the police investigation was not inadequate and Talio's alleged cognitive issues, suggesting he didn't understand he was pleading guilty, is basically speculation. Talio, now 54, says he did not rape and kill 22-month-old Delavina Mack, who was found dead in a home in Bella Coola in 1983. Talio was 17 years old. According to court evidence, a judge at the time believed Talio had the cognitive abilities of a child 10 to 12 years old. Defense questioning why the crime scene was left unsecured for almost five hours. People saw persons running from the Mac house with items, and there was the garbage bag that was also seen to be taken, says Thomas Arbogast, adding it's concerning there's new affidavit evidence of persons engaging in activity that appears to be quite suspicious, including the burning of items that appear to come from that room, like the doll and seeing a bedsheet. Defense says new DNA evidence reveals the male DNA found on the little girl does not match the accused, and there are two other possible suspects. Crown's response to this DNA evidence is expected later this week. Romina Dea, Global News. 
In Health Matters tonight, BC's other health care crisis keeps taking a terrible toll. During the month of October, 162 people died from illicit drug toxicity in BC. That's an average of more than five people every day and more than double the number of deaths during the same month last year. The BC Coroner Service says many of those deaths can be blamed on the extreme concentration of toxic fentanyl in the drug supply, while the crisis is being exacerbated by the pandemic. BC has now suffered 1,386 illicit drug deaths in 2020 and has seen eight straight months with more than 100 deaths. Still ahead, an event rentals business reinvents itself. It's had to make some pretty fast moves to, to keep us afloat. The inspiration he got from his children to start making masks instead. And in sports, Team Canada under a COVID quarantine. Plenty of leftover volume here eastbound on Highway 1 through Vancouver and Burnaby after clearing a multi-vehicle accident that was right near the Douglas Road overpass. Today's Lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $6 million plus an additional guaranteed $1 million prize. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 1 in Burnaby. Leave BC is brought to you by Pacific Blue Cross. Flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. The event industry has been hit hard by the COVID crisis. So when a Burnaby party rental company's sales crashed, they transformed their business. Now they specialize in manufacturing face masks for children. In our latest installment of Believe BC, Catherine Urquhart has more on what makes the company so unique. Production line workers carefully and quickly connect ear loops to every mask. These ones made specifically for children. Our masks are uh, what's considered level three ASTM uh, mask. It's a surgical mask uh, quality. They offer the highest protection that, that is possible uh, for a free ply mask. Mask making is a new venture for Chris Fellbaum. For more than 50 years, his Lonsdale event rentals organized special occasions like weddings. That is, until gathering sizes were limited due to the pandemic, bringing business to a standstill. We didn't have the work to keep everybody working, and uh, we just had to make some pretty fast moves to, to keep us afloat and to uh, keep things going. Then, one day, he had an idea, after he couldn't find good quality masks for his daughters. I was trying to find properly fitting masks that uh, would work for them, that had uh, good filtration and, and couldn't find anything. We uh, kind of looked at our skill set that we had within our business and um, saw that we could pivot into uh, mask manufacturing. The shift to making masks has allowed the Burnaby business to hire back 10 employees. And that was the best news I found out. Like, I don't have to go anywhere else. I get to work with the same people and I really like everyone here. Sold in packs of 10 for $8.50, the kids' masks can be bought online at strasgear.com. It makes us feel very good that we're doing something for Canadians and we're, we're really trying our best to provide Canadians with the highest grade um, masks that, that, uh, that are out there. In the coming weeks, Lonsdale Event Rentals will be scaling up production 
to two million children's masks a month, with a goal to bringing back 20 employees. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. All right, we've got a shortened news hour, so we're checking in early with Christy, who's got a look at the weather forecast. What have you got for us, Christy? Well, not too bad over the next couple of days, but we still do have a chance of showers. Nice to see the blue sky today, but let's have a look at the system that's going to target the north, the northern part of Vancouver Island and the central coast. So rainfall warning there, 100 to 150 millimeters expected through Thursday and into Friday. We're just on the southern edge of that, and that's why we're not expecting a lot of rainfall, but cloud and still a chance of showers. Those of you in the interior, some nice sunshine, that's for sure, but northern Vancouver Island periods of rain, southern Vancouver Island and Metro Vancouver cloud and just a chance of showers. That's the case on Friday as well, but we will see rain Friday evening. It pushes out just in time for the weekend. And I'll leave you with your central windows weather window, which is a really cool shot from Houston, BC. Apparently, Carly can see an elephant here, but I can't. So good luck to you if you can. <laughs> a, little, a little figure at the bottom there might be an elephant. <laughs> I'll take another look. All right, uh, Squire's here a little early as well. What do you have, Squire? If that elephant's in the air, it's obviously Dumbo. Hmm. Good point. That's good. That's yes, true. Yes, thank you. Uh, yesterday, we told you how uh, two players at Canada's junior selection camp tested positive for COVID-19. Well, this afternoon, Hockey Canada said all the players, coaches and staff, now have to be quarantined for 14 days. This means that Canada has to wait two weeks before they can start making decisions on which players are going to make the team. And the tournament starts Christmas Day. The other thing is, what about all the other countries coming to Canada? Will they be able to avoid the virus as well? Well, the soccer world, and especially Argentina, is in mourning tonight after the death of Diego Maradona at the age of 60. He is considered one of the greatest players ever. A man who numerous times struggled at life off the field, but within the rectangular lines of a soccer pitch, he was in the genius category. Brought up in abject poverty, standing only five feet five inches tall, Maradona, and fans of England might say his hand, led Argentina to the 1986 World Cup title. We could show you video of his goals to give you an idea of his skills if you don't know, but this guy was also entertaining when he warmed up for a game. So we'll show you this. The great Michel Platini said the tricks Maradona could do well, the tricks he could do with a soccer ball, Maradona could do with an orange. He was like a great magician. You could see the trick, but you couldn't figure out how he does it. So just sit back and enjoy the show. And during his glory years, Maradona always put on a show. And moments of silence all across Champions League today for Maradona, who played in this tournament with Napoli. And this is Atalanta and Liverpool. And this time, unlike the last time they played, Atalanta gets revenge and wins this game. Uh, Josep Ilicic with the goal there, and then this one by Robin Gossens, 2-0 the final for Atalanta over Liverpool. Well, tomorrow night's game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens has now been moved to Sunday afternoon because too many Ravens have tested positive for COVID-19, seven since Sunday night. And the NFL needs more contact tracing and some retests before they can put on a game. And this is not a step the NFL wanted to take because this game was on Thanksgiving night and that would have meant huge TV ratings. Not as big as this show, but still pretty big. 
It's a tradition as real as the turkey for Americans. Thanks very much. They all aspire to have NewsHour ratings, really. Really, they do. (laughs) All right, well, the NewsHour, as uh, we've mentioned, is a shortened version tonight, but we're not going anywhere. In fact, we're here till 7.30. Right after the break, Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix will be joining us. There they are at the table, socially distanced, and we'll be taking your questions on COVID-19. Stay with us. We're back in a couple of minutes.